Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today to the Sheila Zielinski Show. Well, you're in for quite a conversation. I want to jump right into the program. So I got to tell people a story. So recently, I was invited by somebody that I have nothing but respect and admiration for his longtime ministry. And we're friends. I'm a fan of his work. And he recently did a presentation that I watched. And I was pretty shocked at the fact that I've kind of mocked this in the past. And, you know, people just straight up lose their mind when you say this word flat earth. So you're in for a very interesting conversation because I've been praying about this topic for probably the last three or four or five years. I haven't felt released to talk about it or even have anybody come on my show to talk about it at all. It's very controversial. But also this particular guy who again, I have such respect for does a teaching on it. And when I watched it, it was very interesting because a lot of the research that I've dug down deep into it was really touching on a lot of what he said. And I thought, okay, I got to at least look at this and not be so just quick to dismiss it. It's a topic that causes, again, people to get kind of up in arms. I think because the word flat earth, it just, I don't know, it it just triggers people, doesn't it? I found some really interesting things in my friend's presentation. And I have a lot of questions myself. And I don't trust anybody else at this topic because I know him. Why do people just straight up lose their minds when you say flat earth and we're going to kind of get into that too. So I'm really excited to welcome on and he is a powerful minister by the way. It is Pastor Dean Odell from Alabama. I can't wait for this to be one of many topics but boy we're just jumping right both feet into the fire today with this one. Dean welcome to the program sir. It is a pleasure to have you on. Well thank you so much Sheila for having me and uh, of course the courage to even approach this topic. It's such a controversial issue, but I'll have to say that, um, you know, I have been in the ministry, and those who listen to me and they know that God called me to the ministry in 1987, and shortly thereafter, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking other tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to work in my life, and I preached a lot in Assembly of God churches back then, but I usually I preach anywhere. And the reason I feel like I need to give some background, because getting into this topic, I want people to know that I would never have dreamed that I would be believing this and uh, one of the you know proponents of, to me, the greatest conspiracy that Lucifer, uh, Satan, has ever put upon mankind. But anyway, it was just searching and seeking God for truth about everything. And uh, of course, you know, got into deliverance ministry. One of my first converts was a Satanist and a witch, and so led her to Jesus. And then I discovered deliverance ministry and, and Christians needing deliverance from demonic strongholds. And so, uh, you know, in short, I've been dealing with controversial subjects my entire ministry, you know, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit still being for today, deliverance for Christians, repentance, uh, you know, just the simple doctrine of repenting from sins. And of course, you know, I wrote a book in 1997 called Grace Abuse, where I confronted the errors of Calvinism and the whole once saved, always saved, no matter how you live lie. And then coming up on 2008 and nine, God had me move back to my hometown and start a Another church, I've been a church planner too, and then 2011, I wrote The Polluted Church from Rome to Kansas City to deal with the counterfeit gifts and the kundalini and the false manifestations that's crept into the charismatic and Pentecostal church world and how a lot of that originated from the Roman Catholic Church. So, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of subjects for a lot of, a long time. Um, of course, I don't believe that two airplanes knocked down three buildings on 9-11, and I do believe our government was involved in that deception, the Bush family, and so on and so forth. And so, for a long time, I've just always been seeking God for truth, not just in the scriptures, but also what's really going on in the world, who's behind what, the New World Order, the plan for a one-world government, a one-world money system, you know, been deep into Bible prophecy as well for many years. So, had anyone walked up to me in 2015 and said, Pastor Dean, uh, you don't believe the entire Bible. There's parts of it you don't believe, that you don't take literally, that are supposed to be taken literally. I would have told them they were crazy. But I have to say that God opened my eyes to the truth of His 
creation that is both biblical and can be proven. And that happened in October of 2015 when a friend of mine who lived in Hollywood and had become a Christian, and we grew up together, but he'd been out there working with Casey Kasem and and working in the, the whole industry. And then he got saved, and then he started telling me what was going on behind the scenes. And we just had this relationship, you know, but uh, one day he just sent me this question. He says, does firmament earth ring a bell? And he sent me a video and I'm like, what is he talking about? I have no idea what this even means. I mean, I've read what the firmament is, and I thought I knew what it was. And, of course, this video, I started watching it. It began going into, you know, the deception, and I believe the hoax of the moon landing and the lies and the deceptions of NASA. I haven't believed in the moon landing since I was probably about 10 years old because I saw Capricorn 1, the movie that came out in, I think it was 78 or something like that. And I knew seeing that, that that's what happened with the moon landing. It was just like this inward knowing. Now, of course, I've done my research, like with books, We Never Went to the Moon by Bill Kaisling. And then, of course, I have them sitting here on my desk, NASA Mooned America. You know, I've done my research on that. But I, I never believed in the moon landings. I knew that NASA was founded by Nazi scientists, you know, Werner von Braun, the jet propulsion laboratory was Jack Parsons, another occultist who worked with Aleister Crowley. I knew they had other scientists they had taken from Nazi Germany, SS officers, by the way. They had taken them from Nazi Germany in Operation Paperclip and came over here and created NASA. And all of the early astronauts from Buzz Aldrin, you, you just go down the list, were all 33rd degree Freemasons. So deep into the occult, those 33rd degree Masons, they know exactly that it's Lucifer, Satan, that they're dealing with. And so when you know all that and you start realizing, you know, that um, there's stuff where you see the, the lunar lander sitting on the moon and it's got a 10,000 pound thrust jet engine underneath it to help it land and it didn't even make not even the smallest little crater underneath it it didn't stir up any dust there was no dust on it there's shadows going in multiple directions so you know there was multiple light sources stars missing just so many things about the moon landing so once you really know that and, and you know you start to accept the fact that the governments of the, of the world are in cahoots with each other most of them are high level satanist luciferians and that they hate the Bible, and they hate Christianity, they hate Jesus Christ, they hate the gospel. The entire system that they're building and they're going to bring to fruition is an antichrist system where the leader will finally be the final antichrist. And their goal is to wipe out Christianity from the earth and create their own Luciferian satanic utopia. And once you know that all the governments and the elite and the great men, the military men, the wealthy, the big Illuminati families and the banking, once you know all this and you know it was foretold in the, in the scriptures, you have to ask the question, can we believe them about anything? And I had to admit in October of 2015 that I had believed the lie that we lived on a spinning ball flying through this vast universe orbiting the sun through an ever-expanding universe when the Bible said nothing of the sort. The Bible has always been a geocentric that the sun and the moon move over a stationary still earth and that's completely opposite. I mean, that's what Psalm 19 says. Psalm 93 talks about the earth is immovable and fixed, stable. Zechariah 1, 11 talks about the earth is still and at rest. And then, you you know, you start looking into the science of it, too. And the, the Michelson-Morley experiment, for instance, that was an experiment to detect the movement and the rotation of the earth. And they didn't detect any movement whatsoever. So when you get into this stuff and you start realizing that the Bible says something quite different than what we've been taught by NASA space agencies and modern science, you realize that, and let's just say, for instance, I know there are going to be a bunch of people that say, are you really saying that we don't live on a spinning ball that we've been told our entire lives? Well, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says, and I'm going to tell you what you can go out and observe and test for yourself, and then you have to start asking the questions. But really today, just talking to Christians, do you believe your Bibles or do you believe NASA? And that's really what it comes down to. And, and you know, I had a moment, you know, before all this happened, and Sheila, you feel free to jump in any moment and stop yeah. me here. But, uh, you know, I had about two months before 
this revelation and i mean and it was an amazing experience the lord spoke to me and he said i've got something to show you and it's really really big and i thought well lord after deliverance for christians busting calvinism casting out demons for years leading satanists and witches and new agers to the lord dealing with the nephilim and the alien deception and (laughs) just being controversial as a pastor on every subject just about believing in speaking in tongues and healing and that jesus is the same yesterday today and forever what could be bigger than any of that and wow it was it was just an eye-opening moment when I really saw what the Bible had to say. And I had to pull. Now, here, I've studied my Bible for 30 plus years. I would have told you I believed every word of it. And I had to go back. And I I remember I nearly stayed up the entire night that night with my lexicons and my Bible looking up the Hebrew and Greek words, all of them about the nature of creation, biblical creation. What does God say about the earth the sun, the moon, the stars, the shape of the earth, the nature of the earth, the movement or non-movement of the earth, the movement of the sun, moon, and stars, and what is the firmament? Once I went through the scriptures for like that for the for a month, that was it for me. It wasn't any just some conspiracy video or you know crazy flat earther or you know some test that might be true or not be true. For me, the final straw uh, of it all was when. I could systematically see it in the scriptures. And then from there, I was like, you know what, God, I can't be ashamed of this in here. I can't be ashamed of what your word says. So I began to study what is the firmament? What are the Hebrew words? What did the Hebrew prophets and great teachers and theologians and uh, what did they believe about the firmament? What did they believe about the shape of the earth? Just something simple as there is an up and a down. You know, how does that work for the poor Australians? If ours is up and down, what is theirs? Where, Where is heaven? Is heaven up? Well, is it up for North America and down for South America? Heaven is a real place. It has a real location. But just simple things like that. Anyway, that's kind of what happened. I started digging into it, and I did discover that, um, and, and we can get into all the scriptures in a minute, but I did discover several things that the Bible does teach. And, and you know, like Sheila said, the phrase flat earther really triggers serious cognitive dissonance in people because we have been brainwashed from a child. You know, the globe was in our classroom. The ball was in our classroom. They told us, you know, there was this mysterious force called gravity that, you know, caused the water to curve and hold it to this ball. And yet every time I go to the ocean, Every time I was on a boat, uh, I never saw curved water. You know, how many 500-mile straight horizons can you see? You know, straight lines do you get on a ball? And then, of course, part of what has sparked this movement, and like I said, if it was just a belief in the scriptures, people could just dismiss it. Okay, that's just another religious belief, like they, they don't believe abortion's right, or they don't believe homosexuality's right, so now they don't believe in the heliocentric model of the universe that they've put forth, you know, the, really the cultists in the scientist realm have put upon us. And they, they could just dismiss it as something religious. Well, the reason that, that the, and I'll, I'll say it, the Flat Earth Movement has exploded and continues to grow dramatically is because you can go out and test these things. When Nikon put out the P900, Coolpix P900 with 83 times zoom, both it has both digital zoom and optical zoom. Once that came out, people began to discover, you know, one of the biggest things, even Bill Nye, the science guy on his little TV show for kids, his biggest thing, here's how we know the earth is a ball and it's curved is because the ship disappears over the curve after, you know, you watch it from the beach. Well, what a bunch of people began to find out with these high zoom cameras and telescopes sitting at the beach was that the boat could disappear over the horizon and then you could put this camera zoom in on it and all of a sudden magically the boat would be pulled back over that curve and back into view. Now, if it went over the curve of the earth, then no telescope or camera or zoom could pull it back over. You would be blocked by that curve bulge there. People started showing their time at the beach. They started showing ships disappear. Then they'd zoom in on them. They'd reappear. And they'd tell us, you know, the horizon, it begins at, at three miles to drop off. And then, you know, six or seven, ten miles, it's six feet. The boat should be almost completely disappearing. 
and then you would zoom in on it after it's out there. We zoomed in. We did our own test here in Alabama. We went down to Mobile to Mobile Bay and and took a P900 and Orion telescopes, and we could see. We went to Fairhope, Alabama, and at a north northwest angle, looking back at the city of Mobile and the port of Mobile from depending on what we were looking at, was anywhere from 12 to 14 miles away. And we were zooming in on boats that were in the port, and you could see where the hulls met the water. Now, at that distance, just at, let's say, 10 miles, the rate of curvature, the math, is very simple. If the Earth is a ball with a circumference of 25,000 miles, or just it's just shy of 25,000 miles circumference, then the, it's supposed to curve at a rate of 8 inches per miles squared. Now, there are people out there lying that'll say it's just eight inches per mile. Well, no, it's eight inches per mile squared. That's the math. So, for instance, you would go eight inches, like say at two miles, you would set eight inches eight times two squared. So it'd be 32 inches. So almost three feet in two miles, there should be drop off curving. Well, at 10 miles, they're supposed to be 66 feet. Where we were at place, uh, the distances you get into 12 and 13 and 14 miles, you're talking about 80 plus feet, which is an eight-story building. So basically, if we were looking at an eight-story building from that distance, we should only be able to see above the eighth floor. But we were seeing boats in the water in the Port of Mobile. So as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, test all things and prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. So we need to get into, you know, get into the scriptures, what the Bible says about why we call it biblical cosmology, and then while we can go out, we can do these tests and these proof and find out that it doesn't curve, it, and it certainly doesn't curve at the rate um, that they say, and um, and so that's why it's exploding because it's not just something that's in the Bible, but it's something that we can go out and test true science and listen true science and people will say well flat earthers are against science or anti-science no true science is something that's testable observable and repeatable so you can go out and test it multiple times in multiple ways and repeat it and observe it again and again that's when you're doing real science theories you know like we have these people called theoretical physicists you know what that is let me just think up crap <laughs> um, you know let me just theorize what it might be working out there well i want to play a clip now this is michu kaku the theoretical physicist who's always on television you know the asian guy with the white hair so this is what he says this is theoretical physicist michu kaku on cosmology now this is his words not mine this is him in i think this was he was appearing in the um documentary the principle which is about proving geocentrism now he says of course he doesn't agree with geocentrism but he did say this about cosmology so listen to this usually in science if we're off by a factor of two or a factor of ten we call that horrible we say something's wrong with the theory we're off by a factor of ten however in cosmology we're off by a factor of ten to the 120 that is one with 120 zeros after. This is the largest mismatch between theory and experiment in the history of science. Now, I don't know how well you heard that, but he said that if we're off in, in science with a theory, if we're off by a factor of 10, he said, we say that's terrible. Something's wrong. He said, but in cosmology, and what is cosmology? Study of the sun, the moon, the stars, the cosmos. He says, in that, he said, we are off by 10 to the 120th power. He said, it is the largest mismatch between theory and experiment in the history of science. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you that that's absolutely true. Because what we find when we read the Bible, and this is a passage of Scripture that always troubled me, because just like most of us, you know, trained in a... Um, public school education, though I did get my first three years were private school. But then right after that, I was in the public school for, you know, elementary, the rest of elementary school, junior high, high school, and then went into college. And we have it drilled in our heads, you know, that we are a spinning ball, that we're orbiting the sun at, you know, 66,000 miles an hour, and that that our entire Milky Way galaxy is moving through the universe itself at over 500,000 miles an hour. Yet, here we have Joshua 
the son of Nun, who was trained by Moses, picked by the Lord himself to be the leader of Israel after Moses, a man who heard the voice of God directly. Uh, God spoke to him just like he spoke to Moses. In fact, the Lord, God Almighty, the Creator, told Joshua, he said, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. And that's pretty strong, right? So you see in Joshua chapter 10 that Israel gets into a battle with the Amorites. The battle's getting pretty heated, and I'm going to read directly from it. This is Joshua 10, verse 11 here, and it's, well, well I'll say we'll start at um, verse 10. It says, And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and to Makedah. And it came to pass as they fled before Israel and were in the going down of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them in Azekah, and they died. And there were more which died with the hailstones than they which were uh, the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Now, we'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, how in the world do we get the sun... He tells the sun, stop moving, and the moon, stop moving. And that's what the Bible says, the sun stood still. Now, we're told that we're moving around the sun. So, I've heard, my, my daughter is, we homeschool her, and we love the, you know, Abeka homeschool program. I mean, the curriculum, it's one of the best. But I listened to her teacher try to explain this passage saying, God made the earth stop spinning. But my daughter, by this time, she knew better. And my daughter said, look at my poor teacher. <laughs> She just doesn't <laughs> believe God's word. You know, she she thinks we're spinning bad. But you go and, and you look again, why do we call it biblical cosmology? Because let's go to um, let's go to Psalm nineteen. If Christians won't believe the word, then we're in trouble, right? And this has been our problem. Now I don't condemn anybody and look this is not, you know, a salvation issue or anything. But when you wake up to this and, and let me just say this, I know some people may be thinking they're listening right now and going, Oh, what is this crazy preacher talking? talking about. People are just going to think Christians are nuts. Let me tell you something. They already think we're nuts. Listen, we believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and was, you know, underwater for three days and that the fish spit him out where he was supposed to be. I believe that's true and literal. We believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was in the grave for three days, went down into hell and preached, and then rose physically from the dead on the third day. We believe in the supernatural. You can't be a Christian without believing in the supernatural and that those things are literal, that Jesus literally died on the cross shed his blood for our sin, that he literally, bodily rose from the grave. Um, the world thinks those things are foolish. The natural man, the, you know, to the natural man, the things of the Spirit of God and the things of God are foolishness. But why, why do we say, okay, I'll believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that that was literal, but I'm not going to believe what God said about creation is literal. And what's happening is the Christians that have started believing that what God said about creation is real and literal, and we've stopped believing what man's been trying to tell us, and we've shown the proof and the evidence like through some of these tests like across Mobile Bay. Let me tell you, folks, the testimonies I'm getting from atheists who, because of science and what they thought science, what science was teaching them about the shape of the earth and the nature of the cosmos, they refuse to believe the Bible. But man, I'm telling you, I have testimony after testimony after testimony of atheists who said, I started looking into conspiracies, 9-11, Federal Reserve the New World Order. I started looking at this, and then I stumbled across this flat earth thing, and I thought it was ridiculous. You know, everybody, listen, everybody that first hears those words laughs their head off and thinks, this is ridiculous. Are these people crazy? Are they nuts? Are they stupid? I mean, everybody does that. I did it. We all do that because we were so ingrained one way. Yeah, let me just say this. This is what a lot of people don't know. This is really not a new movement. Now, the Flat Earth Society, let me just say this. They're nothing but controlled opposition. They are a joke. They're out there t 
to make people who get into biblical cosmology and the true nature of these things to make them look stupid. And they've got this whole thing where they talk about, yeah, it's like a pancake and, and what gravity is, is that it's floating through space, but it's pushing upward and that's what holds you to it. And it's all this nonsense. All right. The Bible, biblical cosmology explains the earth like this, that it is a flat plane. We do not know how deep it is. We do not know how thick it is. The deepest hole that's ever been drilled is by the Russians, and uh, the deepest anyone's gone down in the earth is seven miles. That's it. They didn't find anything that so-called in the textbooks that we, we didn't find the core, right? This molten core. That's Again, that's just theory. We don't know if it's there or not. So we, we do know it's a... It's a geometric shape. Now, when we say flat, that doesn't mean it doesn't have contours and mountains and ups and downs and whatever, but that it is not a sphere. You know, NASA shows us a perfect sphere. What's funny is every picture or alleged picture you see from NASA shows a perfect sphere, but then you have astronomers and physicists and scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson say, well, the Earth is really not a perfect sphere. It's really an oblate spheroid. It's kind of pear-shaped. That's a quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of the most well-known astronomers and physicists on television. What does he do? The Nova show and some other things. But biblical cosmology says God said that he drew a circle on the face of the deep and that he literally created a boundary there. All right. So there's an outer wall boundary. And so what biblical earthers, and that's a term I'll use, believe is that the oceans, you know, they call it sea level, not sea curve. Water finds its level. Most of the earth, 71% of the earth is water. So if water finds its level, it's sea level, then there you have 71% of the earth being level. All right. We base everything off of that. And God said that he, he laid the earth itself upon the sea. And this is Bible, you know, Genesis 1, Proverbs 8. Um, But he says, God said he created the ends of the earth, a boundary, a limit. Basically, there is a wall. So what we say, what biblical earthers believe, and most flat earthers, but not all flat earthers. So I say there's a difference between biblical earthers and some flat earthers, is that what you have is that God drew this big circle on a flat, uh, we believe kind of, it must be like a cube, all right? And the reason I say that you think about this, he says that the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven in the book of Revelation is a 1,500-mile by 1,500-mile cube. So I'm thinking, well, okay, God said he cut this circle into something. So if you're going to, for instance, if you're going to take a compass, like in school, you know, the little protractor compass thing, and you're going to put a point down in the center of your paper to make a circle, and you draw that circle around. You you drew that, but you drew that circle on something. You drew it on a piece of paper or whatever. So God took his compass, and it says he did this, Proverbs 8, that he took a compass and he engraved a circle upon the face of the deep. Now it says that he put the, this, there's a boundary wall or fence around, and that the only north, the center of this circle, is the Arctic and the North Pole. And that's why we believe there's only one magnetic pole. That's why your compass always points to the north. And if you think about it, a compass would only work on a flat surface, but that's another story. We'll get to that later. But what biblical earth believe is that you have the magnetic center, the North Pole, and that you have a circle that goes around that, and that the outer edge, the outer wall, whenever you turn in any direction from the North Pole, you turn 180 degrees, whichever side you're on, you're facing south, and you go south. And when you come to the edge, it's called Antarctica, all right? And it goes all the way around, all right? Now, Antarctica is one of the most guarded places on the Earth. That's a fact. Look up the Antarctic Treaty, Operation Deep Freeze. People say, yeah, oh, you can go there. You can take a cruise there. No, you take a cruise to a little peninsula, and that's it. You don't get any, there's no private expeditions allowed into Antarctica. All right. So, again, that's the boundary limit and what is believed. Now, what the scripture teaches, and I can show you this in multiple passages, that the firmament is a solid, crystalline, glass, molten glass dome that comes down over the earth and it rests somewhere, the edge of it comes down and meets in Antarctica, covering that circle, basically like a terrarium, all right? And that the earth has its pillars. You know, God said he laid the foundations of the earth. He set the pillars. He said the earth is fixed. It cannot be moved. And then it says that there is this dome. And then he says, remember, God said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. The prophet Ezekiel talks about this. He calls the dome Ezekiel chapter 1. Um, we see this same thing in Genesis 1. It says the firmament was there to separate the waters that are above 
from the waters that are below. There's waters above that firmament. There is the what's called the heavenly ocean that is supported by this firmament that's above it. Remember, when God flooded the earth with Noah, three ways water came in. Number one, he said he broke up the fountains of the great deep. Number two, rain from the clouds. Number three, he opened the windows of heaven and poured in this water to flood the earth. Um, now, people make up and say, oh, that's just figurative language. You know, that's just metaphors. Well, then is the story of Jonah figurative in a metaphor? Is the story is about the Tower of Babel figurative in a metaphor? Uh, was there a real Moses? You see the danger we get into. See, I believe, and, and I have a, a friend, He's um, his name is Dr. John Strazich, and he he's a PhD in theology. He reads Hebrew and Greek fluently. He, he has his PhD from Fuller Theological Seminary out in California, and I've talked to him about this stuff, about the true hermeneutics, and I sent him a thing I had on hermeneutics. I said, is this correct, Dr. John? And he said, absolutely. And this, this basic definition of biblical hermeneutics, one of the things it said was that we should take the Bible literally unless it clearly instructs us that an allegory is taking place, like Paul did in Galatians 4 when he said, I'm going to tell you an allegory. You know, Sarah and Hagar, this is an allegory, the two covenants, one from Sinai, one from Jerusalem. He said, that's an allegory. Jesus said, here's a parable. I'm going to tell you this parable. So the Bible gives us when it's speaking in figurative language. What's interesting is that even sometimes when the Bible speaking in figurative language or symbols, the symbols are real things. I tell people all the time, you know, the in, in the book of Revelation, for instance, in the book of Daniel, when you have the beast with seven heads and ten horns, well, that is a real thing. It's going to be a real world government with seven heads and ten kings. And he tells you, again, he explains what those things are, and we see those things beginning to form and happen. Um, so even a figurative symbolic language usually has a real counterpart. But uh, when we get into this stuff about creation, when God said he created a firmament and to separate the waters from above from the waters below, I can tell you one thing. Water's heavy. Water's eight pounds a gallon. So water is extremely heavy. Would you have to have a solid structure to support water above the earth? Absolutely. And that's exactly what God says. The word for firmament is rakia. That's the word. The root word is raka. And it literally means to beat out a solid molten metal type dome shape. So what biblical earthers believe is that the firmament is this glass dome that goes over the earth. It's funny that back in the 60s when they did operation, they did this operation in the government, we now believe that they were trying to break through the firmament, but they were talking about high altitude detonations of nuclear bombs. They used the Thor missile, uh, nuclear missile, and they were shooting these things up at high altitudes, and uh, they called it Operation Fishbowl. Isn't that interesting? I think they knew exactly what they were getting into. And then, of course, I've come across government documents that have been declassified through the Freedom of Information Act, and so both American and the Russian documents talk about the firmament. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another story. I mean, that's that's another proof of stuff. I came across uh, my first government document was uh, NASA document 1207 about the derivation and definition of linear aircraft. And in the summary, in the middle of the, the manual and in the back, it says it's giving you all the calculations that aircraft rigid aircraft fly over. And these, this is NASA's words, fly over a non-rotating flat earth. So if anybody wants to say, oh, you're crazy talking about a, a stable, fixed, non-moving earth and that it's flat, if you think I'm crazy, then I can show you dozens of NASA documents, Army manual documents about ballistic missiles and artillery and you name it, even shuttle landing uh, manuals and stuff that f just plainly say their calculations, uh, all of their math, all of it they said, is for a non-rotating flat Earth. Uh, even They'll even add sometimes with a stationary atmosphere. Yeah, I put that video out that government documents admit flat Earth, and it's got hundreds of thousands of views because it's in there. I just took the time. It took me about eight hours for about three different days digging into the CIA website to pull up you know, documents that have been released through the Freedom of Information Act. So again, I just feel like I'm just kind of dumping all of it out here as quick as I can, but there's just so much to this. Um, uh, when, once you realize, you know, about like Psalm, I said Psalm 19, 
19. Let's go to that. Just talking about the sun moving and not the earth. Psalm 19, 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Well, where's the end of the world on a ball, right? He says the end, and actually I did a study on everywhere it says the end of the earth or the ends of the earth, the ends of the world. But listen to this. He says, their words to the end of the earth, in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, a tent. So the sun's inside a tent, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run his race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, right there, he tells you the sun moves in a circuit. The word circuit is a circle. The sun is much smaller in biblical cosmology. The sun is much smaller, much closer. It moves in a circle over a flat stationary earth and that it's not going down as it appears just like when you're looking you're riding down a, a very level street and there's street lights way ahead of you and you're looking down there miles and it looks like the street lights are going down but when you get down to the the ones that look like they're almost on the street level they're at the same height as the ones that were next to you before you got there it's just a perspective matter and as the sun moves in its circuit over the earth it begins to move away from you there's a, a point of a vanishing point which they call also a point of convergence where we just can't see it anymore and it moves beyond our sight but that is biblical cosmology that's why joshua could say to the sun you be still and to the moon you stop and those things could happen and not throw the earth into some kind of kilter where everything's floating off because it's not spinning or there's no gravity <laughs> i mean um, it all just makes more sense. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people, even Christians, have told me once once they heard this, and you got to remember, I've done probably now 15 or 20 sermons just going through this in great detail. And so you're talking, some of those sermons are two hours long. So, you know, throwing all this together in, you know, our 30 minutes to an hour here is kind of hard to do. Just, I guess I'm trying to give people the picture because they always, you know, in the media and science and when they're trying to mock and laugh when you, when you start talking about biblical cosmology, they always try to depict, you know, the boat sailing off the edge, you know, or show me the edge. And I'm like, well, you know, let's raise a billion dollars and make sure the, the United United Nations peacekeeping forces won't stop and arrest us, and we'll go find the edge. You know, <laughs> you know, we'll go find where the dome comes down and meets the earth, because I believe that it does exist. But you, you see that kind of mocking stuff. And, you know, I mean, it's just funny. You'll see people make up all kinds of, you know, weird things. You know, look, oh, if the earth was flat, you know, cats would already have knocked everything off and just being silly, stupid stuff. But there's a 200-foot-plus ice wall that goes all the way around that holds the oceans in in this model in what we call the Bible, Earther, Bible cosmology model. It's not, there's not an edge you fall off. <laughs> God wouldn't do that anyway. So that's kind of where all that goes. I mean, we can dig in, you know, dig into the words and all the definitions, but there's there's just dozens and dozens of verses that talk about the sun and the moon moving, not the earth moving. And, and you know, one of the obvious proofs that we, you know, we can go to is this. Think about this. If we're flying, if we're orbiting around the sun, 66,000 miles an hour, and we're spinning 1,000 miles an hour, and our Milky Way galaxy uh, our solar system is moving through an ever-expanding universe at over 500,000 miles an hour. How is it that if this has been going on, as they say, for let's just say the 6,000 years from Adam and Eve to now, we'll just say 6,000 years. If we've been spinning, orbiting, and flying through an ever-expanding universe for 6,000 years, why has the North Star never moved? from its position, that sailors can still navigate by the North Star. Why can I watch every night move across my side the constellation of Orion in the same path every night? If we were on the other side of the sun, we would have a different view. If we had moved a million miles, uh, you know, in a couple of hours, the view would change. It is ridiculous what we've been fed. And you know, the Bible says this in Romans 3. It says, let God be true and every man a liar. And I just believe God's word now. 
That's why I believe this, not because of any conspiracy. The conspiracies, you know, the Bible foretold, Psalm 2, that there would be a great conspiracy of the rich men and the rulers and the chief men would get together and their conspiracy would be against the Lord and against his anointed. Well, people say, why would they lie? Why such a big lie? Well, remember, the Bible says in Revelation 12 that Satan would deceive the whole world. All right, everyone. He's good at deception. Why would he take the last 500 plus years to build this heliocentric, sun centered, and what are these, the elite? They're sun worshipers. Why would he take 500 years to build this for the last days? Because if you go ask your, your modern, your, your present atheist and agnostics, you go ask them, why don't you believe the Bible to be true and the Messiah, the Lord Jesus? Why don't you believe that? And, and and you know what's amazing? Atheists and agnostics admit the Bible teaches a flat, stationary, dome-covered earth. And a friend of yours teaches it too, but he doesn't believe it. Dr. Michael Heiser. Dr. Michael Heiser of Logo Software. I've got his article, his full article. He says that the biblical Hebrew cosmology is a flat, enclosed, dome-covered structure with foundations. Heaven is above that dome, glass-like structure. Below is Sheol, hell, Hades, the underworld. And that um, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Hebrew prophets, that's what the uh, the scribes and everyone believed, even down to Josephus. I can show you a quote from Josephus who believed this. And Dr. Michael Heiser will just say, that's what the Bible teaches, but he teaches the doctrine of accommodation. God was just giving them what they could understand. And, you know, basically they were just stupid shepherds and they couldn't know the truth. And so God deceived them and lied to them about the nature of creation. But now that we have NASA, the Nazi scientists and the Freemasons and a global conspiracy to take over the world for Satan, uh, now all of a sudden we can agree with them and not with what God's word says. So I, uh, one thing I can say, at least I have more respect for Dr. Michael Heiser because he at least meant admits what the Bible teaches about this, being PhD and being a theologian. He admits the Bible teaches, he just chooses not to believe it. Unlike, for instance, Dr. Danny Faulkner at Answers in Genesis, who says the Bible doesn't teach this when it clearly does. Uh, so I have, I don't have very much respect for Dr. Danny Faulkner at Answers in Genesis, because he's just not true with the text. Hey, look, in every true revival, in every true move of God that's happened, especially, I mean, we can just, we'll just go back as far as the Reformation. You know, the Catholic Church had pretty much taken over. They had created their sacramental works salvation. You have to do these things in the Catholic Church to be saved. You have to be in that church to be saved. And of course, Martin Luther and the Reformers came in and, you know, started reading the Bible and said, no, we're saved by grace through faith. We don't have to have your, your, man-made system and your man-made doctrines. And so there was a restoration of justification by faith in Jesus alone. We don't need the Catholic Church to be saved. And that was huge. And and that caused a great move of God and it was a great it was a great thing. And we see, you know, you go on down through, you know, the Welsh revival, you see the Great Prayer Revival of the eighteen hundreds, you see Charles Finney trying to swing the pendulum back away from from Calvinism and, and also, you know, Charles Finney, God used him to spearhead a great awakening in America and to awaken the church to the evils of slavery. He was preaching against it in the 1830s, and I believe it was really Finney being bold to preach this in all the churches in America and and to take a stand, and he was greatly persecuted for taking a stand against slavery in that time. But of course, that led to the 1860s and, you know, the Civil War, and then, um, and, and, you know, you just Again, there's always just been great truths that were either being that needed to be addressed, that were either getting pushed in the corner, Satan tried to bury, or he tried to put up man-made doctrines. And so I think that that the truth of creation, the devil knew that this truth was going to come out, especially with the technology of these, you know, like Nikon P900s, P1000s, and telescopes getting into the hands of the average person. People were going to start to see that some of the Bravo Sierra that they've been feeding us, and the religion of scientism, and the priests with the white coats, just like you. We're talking about in the beginning we, we've got the priest of uh you know climate change out there that just make up stuff they've got their you know it's a belief system it, it, whether it's based in reality or not and that's a religion well there's a lot of things that are called science that are just based in personal beliefs and biases and so with the technology people started testing this stuff and so what i would say is like why is this important for christianity i'm going to tell you i'm going to read some things to you that's going to blow your mind because first of all i would say 
say to anybody, why, if they said, why does it matter? I'd say, because truth matters. And Jesus said in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, he said that we were to be, 1 Peter 3.15, be ready to give an answer of the reason of the hope that is in you to every man, right? So listen, some people don't wouldn't need this truth to get saved, to come to know Jesus, for them to have faith in God's word. But there's a lot of people out there because of the lies of what we call, I call the religion of scientism, the theoretical physicists, the heliocentric model, everything they were taught in the public government, let's just say at government schools and liberal controlled, anti-God, anti-Christian universities. They were told that your Bible is a bunch of myths and fairy tales. You can't even believe it about creation. You came from a monkey. So, you know, what's amazing is some of the Christians that think, well, yeah, I'd say, well, do you believe we came from a monkey? The science and the universities, the scientists tell us we did. They say it's a fact. And they say, no, of course not. And I said, well, you know, people believe that, and that's why they don't believe the Bible. They believe in evolution. Is evolution something we could conf- should confront? And everybody would say, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, what about the truth of creation? What if they say it's a ball, and God says it's flat? In fact, he describes it in Job 38 as a piece of clay that he pushed down flat with his signet ring. But that's another story. But here's, here's the main reason, because the truth will set people free. Now, I'm going to read you. This is a testimony that I received. This is from a guy named Wes. He's still on my Facebook. He's from South Carolina. He wrote this to me. He said, Dean Odell, I would like to thank you for this video. This is one of my biblical cosmology creation videos where I talked about these things. He said, I recently found... God almost two months ago. I used to believe in the ancient astronaut theory and that we were a small speck in a huge universe hurtling through space. I came across a flat earth video on YouTube and decided to check it out because I was curious what the fuss was about. Since that video, I researched for weeks on end why NASA would be lying to everyone. He said, I finally saw God's fingerprint. When I was 100% convinced the earth was flat and that everything we know has been a lie and that God's word is more true than we know, He said, I cried and wept, and I found God. I finally had understanding. He said, life made sense, finally made sense. I no longer question God's word, and if we are alone in the universe, I am thankful for you and this video and to help as many people as we can realize the truth of God's word. I have subscribed to your channel. He says, I know so many people who cannot see the truth or that think I'm crazy, but I know now that God's word is true, and I believe he used flat earth theory to show me that he is real before the end of days. He works in mysterious ways. I was brought up in a family that had several different beliefs, so I never knew God as I wanted to. I appreciate you and everything you're doing. God bless you, and thank you. Um, that was just one. There's many of them. I mean, Paul, we had a guy from Sweden. Uh, he, he's a mechanical engineer, a math whiz. His name's Paul Logberg from Sweden. He was raised an atheist, been an atheist all of his life. He came across this truth. He thought it was ridiculous. He laughed. He mocked. He eventually started digging into it. Once he saw not only the evidence of like some of these curvature, earth curvature tests and some of the long distance photography and zoom camera work and stuff, and he started seeing that and he knew the math, you know, the eight inches per mile squared, then he, he said, okay, I saw that it was true that the earth is, that they've really lied to us. And, and he stumbled in by finding out of them lying about the central banks and the whole New World Order thing. He said, you know what? They've lied about everything else. I'm going to give this a chance. Well, anyway, long story short, he gets into this, finds out the biblical aspect of the nature of creation. You think about it. Creation and the book of, of Romans, the book of Romans says that the creation is Romans chapter one, creation is the greatest witness that there is a creator. So if the devil could convince people that the creation was not like the Bible says, then what's he got? He's able to turn people away from believing the Bible and believing God's word. And if you turn people away from believing the Bible is God's word, then you turn them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. You keep them deceived, blinded, lost through the through a lie about the true nature of creation. It's actually his most, really, I believe, it's one of the most effective lies that Satan has to keep people away from believing the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God, and then, of course, believing the message that's in there that we must turn to Jesus Christ and believe in his 
atoning death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. It's all about, listen, Satan's all about, every lie that he puts forth is all about keeping people from the truth of the Bible and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think about it, how how terrible it is to think that they would lie about the nature of creation to continue to, again, what I mean, what are these people about? It's about control. They want control, and they want people to be blind, sheep, silent as much as possible, and following them. And think about this. Do you know what NASA's budget is? Now, think about it. If you could create, I mean, to, to tell you the truth, it's genius. It's satanic genius, right? You create this massive theater and sound stages and, you know, props, and you create this thing, and, you know, your goal is to turn people away from believing the Bible and following Jesus. So, so they'll ultimately follow your New World Order, Antichrist, satanic system. But you also figure out a way to get the government to give you tax money. Then you use that organization to funnel money into every type of black operation that exists. I'm telling you, it's brilliant. And there's been, listen, in this Flat Earth movie, I've got to meet a lot of different people, both Christian and non-Christian. And some of them, there's there's three, I can tell you right now, that uh, I've talked to two, no, well, I've talked to two of the three and just chatted online with the third. But their former NASA employees that came out and said, blew the whistle and said, yep, um, they know it. They know it to be true. They know the true nature of things. They're lying to turn people away from the Bible, from Jesus. Basically, they're creating the belief system of the new world order. And, and two, the final lie. Think about this. You've got to have billions and billions of years. You've got to have planets out there in the Goldilocks zone and in these galaxies because the whole lie that Satan is going to perpetrate on this earth at the end, the big lie is going to be that aliens are visiting us and that aliens are now telling us, here's what we have to do to have world peace. And these entities are going to walk forward and claim to be extraterrestrials from a galaxy far, far away. And they are not from anywhere but here. Fallen angels, demon spirits, and their offspring, the Nephilim. And that's what it's going to be. But you real, when you realize that God made the earth a terrarium and he sits above it, there's no, he's not far away. What, what did Paul say? He's not far from any one of us. I mean, there's a lot of theologians out there. They were trained in Jesuit infiltrated seminaries. And, you know, like, for instance, my, you probably remember this name. Dr. Larry Lee was my pastor back in the late 80s and early 90s. Absolutely. Okay. And I, and I lived in Dallas and I, and, and his church was just east of of Dallas, Rockwall, Texas, and it, and it was huge. You know, he had a best-selling book. That's a long story of what happened to Larry. He, but Larry was an anointed man of God, a good pastor and a great teacher. You know, he had some personal issues and he disobeyed God in the area and it ended up in disaster, but he was a good man and he was true. And, and his church went from like, I think it was like 70 people in January of 1980. And then by 1986, it was like 12,000 members. It was wow. crazy. And I was out there in 88, 89. Anyway, he went to Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, this is one of the, there's three big seminaries, you know, graduate schools for um, your Baptist uh, denomination, which is probably the largest denomination in, in America. So he's, he was there, in, and I think he was in graduate school getting his doctorate in theology in like the late 60s or in the 70s, early 70s. And he said his teacher, his final year, said that the first 11 chapters of Genesis was a true myth, that the theological implications were true, but there probably wasn't ever a man named Noah, there probably wasn't ever a man named Adam, that right. they were just myths and legends with spiritual principles. And of course, Larry Lee said, he raised his hand and said that, well, Jesus thought they were real, and Paul thought they were real, and the professor said, well, they just didn't have the information we have today. But really, for a lot of Christians, and it may be the case with him, I, I'm going to be honest with you, it comes down to worrying about look being a fool for Christ. I always find this interesting. When one thing makes demons manifest, it's this <laughs> it's 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 this topic. Well, you think about it, Satan has invested a lot of work into this deception. And his next deception, the alien deception, is also part of this. So you're talking about a huge part of his game. Plus, it's a huge money maker for him. I mean, you, you look at the Ancient Alien series, 
the Ancient Alien series on History Channel is trying to flip everything. Today, in our the Fire and Grace School of Ministry that we have here, that I was teaching class today in our spiritual warfare block, I taught for two hours on the Nephilim and how it's leading to the, the alien agenda. And when you're Satan's kingdom and his principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, when they have so much invested time energy, money, that, and it's part of the end game. It's part of the end time deception, man. You don't want to turn loose of that. You don't want people exposing you and busting you. But Jesus said that everything that was hidden would be revealed. Now, if we're in the last of the last days, and I believe that according to Bible prophecy, that we are really uh, getting close, you know, and I'm not a preacher of rapture guy, so I'm I'm poster, but I'm saying we're getting close to the full, you know, tribulation period, the rise of the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the new world order, one world government. We're we're so close to all of that. All it's gonna take is a major event you know, in the world and will be down that road very quickly because it's all set up. But when you realize that this just blows it apart, I mean, it blows the whole thing apart. It blows evolution apart. It blows the Big Bang Theory apart. It blows the whole extraterrestrials visiting us from far, far away. And, you know, the UFO phenomena is really real. So it's, but what is it? Right. And so Satan has a lot invested in this. But it's interesting that you can barely even have a conversation with other Christians about this. Like, it's not even open for discussion. And I find that part of it strange. Right. Well, you know, I mean, look, we should be open, uh, especially with each other as Christians, to be, say, okay, let's look at something in the Bible systematically. For instance, for instance, okay, there's a lot of Christians disagree about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are they for today? Are they not for today? Can we uh, still operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> right, right. But here's the thing. We should be able as Christians, even if we disagree with each other, to sit down and systematically look through all the Bible about that subject, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and at least be able to talk about it without freaking out, right? And I believe that should go for anything. Well, you know, I mean, we have people that disagree on hell, the doctrine of hell. So do we sit down and we discuss that? That's how we learn. That's how we grow. To say, I, you know, as a Christian, to say the true nature of creation is not important. When the Bible starts out with it, the Gospel of John starts out with it, and the Book of Romans starts out with it and says it's the greatest witness that there's a creator. When you say stuff like that, it's like, you know, okay, well, something is wrong here. There is a great disconnect. And you, look, you you look at this guy, what was his name? Carl Lentz, the, the pastor of Hillsong in New York, goes on The View and says, who am I to judge about abortion? Can't say it's uh, a sin, can't say murder is wrong, abortion is wrong, and explain that just because we say it's sin and it's wrong and it's murder, we're not saying that a person who has an abortion can't come to the Lord Jesus, repent, confess their sin, be forgiven, and that sin be washed away. You know, he had an opportunity there to tell people what God's Word says and to present the plan of salvation to help anyone find their way out of that, right? But instead, he just tries to look good in front of the world. And this is the problem with most Christians. They are too worried about looking sweet and nice and getting along with the world. And their unsafe friends, maybe their unsafe family, maybe their unsafe co-workers, they're not really trying to stand up and speak the truth. Whatever controversial truth it may be from the scriptures, they're just trying to keep flying under the radar and have everybody love them. And that's just not the way Jesus did it. It's not the way he wants us to do it. The truth, Jesus said in Matthew 10, is a sword that will divide. Yeah, well said. Well, in the last part of the show now, I know you get people that come from all over to your little church out there in Alabama. Talk about your church, how folks out in that area can get out to it. And then I want you to talk about Skyfall 2019. You've invited me to speak at it. I'm excited about it. Talk about Skyfall 2019 and why this is different than anything else. And then just give out your information for the folks, please, Dean. We get visits from everywhere. We have people come all the way from Sweden to visit. Um, We're a little church here in Opelika, Alabama. We're right on the border uh, of uh, Alabama and Georgia state line, right next door to Auburn University. So Auburn, Alabama, you'll hear it, that Opelika. The church is called Fire and Grace Church. We started this church in January of 2009, and even back then, and this was before getting into biblical cosmology, flat earth, 
stuff. The Lord was getting me back into teaching on Bible prophecy and studying it and digging into um, you know what was going on in the world related to end time Bible prophecy. So the Lord spoke to me to start having you know conferences whenever He would direct and primarily um, on end time prophecy. So we did the first one in 2012. It was called uh, End Times Revealed. We did another smaller one in um, 2013, and then with just a lot of stuff going on. 2014 was a rough year. And, uh, of course, 2015 is when all of this began. So back last year, after seeing some of the problems creeping into what's called the flat earth movement, um, a lot of deception, a lot of Torah Hebrew roots people, a lot of Gnostic people, you know, Gnostic New Age and mysticism creeping in. And so, you know, I did speak at the first Flat Earth International Conference, but after that, the Lord told me, no more, your mission is accomplished. I did what I was supposed to do. And I knew that he was going to have me do something in that regard down the line. So in 2018, in October 2018, we did Skyfall 2018. The reason it's named Skyfall is because the Bible talks about the firmament's going to be broken up and opened up and actually parts of it fall at the end. All the stars are going to fall from heaven. Think about that. If the star was a massive sun out there in the uh, way out in the cosmos somewhere that's a million times bigger than the earth, how the star is going to fall to the earth. So anyway, it has to do, we did last year, 2000, Skyfall 2018, and it was both uh, biblical cosmology, lectures, presentations, and end-time Bible prophecy. And so I think we had 400 and something register, and it was just crazy. It was a great time. We had it at Auburn at the um, the hotel at Auburn University and the Dixon Conference Center. I'm talking about right across the street. You can see the Auburn University Stadium right across the street. And that was great. And then this year, I felt like, you know, we prayed and we waited and we felt like we should do it again, but a little different because last year we did take time to worship. We had praise and worship. We had prayer time and and actually prayed and laid hands on people, prayed for healing. And it was a powerful, we just had a powerful time and everybody just was so blessed. And they, the people who came last year was like, oh, please, please have a skyfall again this year. So this year, I felt like we're going to touch on biblical cosmology and end-time prophecy, but also a lot of other things. We're going to talk about prayer, spiritual warfare. We're going to have longer sessions of praise and worship, longer times of praying for people and ministering to people. So we're going to talk about prayer, spiritual warfare. Sheila's going to speak on that. My wife's going to speak. um, And we're going to be adding some speakers. So that's going to be October 4th and 5th of 2019 in Auburn, Alabama, right next door to our church here. Um, The Sunday after, you know, we'll have Friday and Saturday for the conference, and then Sunday we'll have church here at Fire and Grace Church, so we'll have a service here. Uh, We were packed out last year, Um, (laughs) you know, I mean packed. It was crazy because our church is small, so I think we, our church can max out about 75 in here, and we had overflow downstairs, so we were packed out. But we had it was just a great time, and um, I've just felt really this year that things were going to be a lot different. There's some people that came last year that will not be invited back because they're getting into Kookyville. And so um, I just really felt the Spirit of God. It was really weird because, you know, I knew, you know, I kind of knew that, you know, Sheila, that you weren't down with the the whole biblical cosmology flat earth thing yet. But I just knew in my heart that after listening to you for a number of years that, that we agreed on so much and that I just knew your heart was to, you know, about prayer and spiritual warfare and preaching Jesus and standing up against Islam and the Hebrew roots, Torah deception and I thought, you know, I, I just got to thinking about you, and I thought, there's just so many areas of uh, agreement, and uh, I just felt led by the Lord to um, ask you to be a speaker, and was just blessed that you said yes, and even knowing that, you know, we're kind of controversial, of course, but uh, we're just we're just excited about that. So, um, the way to register, we're, we're registering people now. We, In fact, I haven't even made a promo video yet. And we've got over 60 people registered already. Uh, the room seats 400, maybe a little more. We could probably squeeze it to 450. But anyway, uh, our website is skyfall2019.org. Skyfall. 
2019.org. There's a registration button and it'll take you to Eventbrite. Now what we're doing, we're not charging for the conference. There's no, you know, some conferences are charging two and $300. But last year we had so many trolls and fake registrations. We did a totally free conference last year and the Lord took up one offering and the Lord provided for everything. But uh, this year, what we decided to do to, to at least discourage trolls and fake registrations, we're charging $20 for registration. But if you show up, you get a t-shirt, which is about 20 bucks. So you're going to get something out of it. But we just had to do that to stop fake registrations. I mean, we actually had a troll page telling people, go register to take up, you know, to try to throw off our planning on that. So, but I'm, I'm excited about because I know it's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. I know that he will move. I mean, we had people healed last year. People were just, the presence of God was in the place. Great worship. It's going to be a time of not just, you know, presentation after presentation, speaker after speaker, but people sharing testimonies, ministry time, be in the church. Uh, we have uh, two websites that we use apart from the conference website. Uh, we have deanodle.org, D-E-A-N-O-D-L-E.org, and also fireandgracechurch.org, fire and then A-N-D, grace church.org the conference is skyfall2019.org and then we have fireandgracechurch.org and so that'll that'll get you to everything that we're doing we also have a school of ministry fire and grace school of ministry if you're interested in that looking at that but we put you know just if if people want to uh we put all our videos uh we live stream every service to youtube and facebook and so we have a bunch of videos up that, that cover all kinds of topics. We're not just creation or biblical cosmology or even end-time prophecy. We cover everything from the Holy Spirit to salvation to healing and deliverance to faith. I would try to be a balanced the whole council of God's word. We're, we're a church, not a, you know, we're not just, we're not just focused on one thing. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to Skyfall 2019. You cover so many good topics. I'm really looking forward to you coming back on the program. And I'm looking forward to seeing you out there at Skyfall 2019. Now, I want to make sure people understand. Dean has thrown a lot out today. He's kind of just in an overview, but do go in the description below, click on the links, and you can see Dean's full presentation on this. And I really highly recommend that you do that because it's really incredible information and there's just too much to cover on one show. So Dean, thank you so much for coming on today and I'm hoping this is one of many other discussions. I'm looking forward to having you back on and seeing you out there in October. Thank you so much. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. And thank you for having me. And um, I hope I did it justice. Of course, there's so much to cover. It's just impossible. I appreciate your boldness to jump into this pond. Yes, sir. Well, I've jumped into a lot of ponds in my day. Folks, that was Dean Odell. If you have any questions, his information is linked below there in the description, as well as, like I said, check out the full presentations. One of my favorites, and I think that provides the best overview, is linked below in the description. I really, again, highly encourage encourage you to do that and get out there and get registered for this October Skyfall 2019. That information is in the description as well. Thank you so much for listening to the program today. Do not forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow my podcast. And we're out of time, so we will see you real soon. Good night and God bless.